The Stinkin' Truth Podcast is presented by Core Water. He spent 12 years in the NFL. You can't trust a guy that gyrates his hips after he scores. Has three Super Bowl rings, made multiple Pro Bowl appearances, over 16 years of broadcasting between ESPN and Fox Sports. And that's why I'm the greatest football player and best sports analyst ever. He's a soap opera star. That's pretty, uh... I can't remember what I was supposed to say. <laughs> As a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers. Mark Slareth, handsome son bitch, get out here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Hey, welcome in to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mike Evans, your uh, co-host, along with me, Mark Slareth. Wait, that didn't... Yeah, Mike well, Evans. kind of. It's yeah. unlike your, your listening right now right I'm your co-host right you're you're my co-host and your co-host and your co-host right scott the huff your producer right boom See? boom me your other co-hoster <laughs> hey so, this thing is your so podcast good. this is the kind of quality programming i bring to you every week along with mike evans and uh gotta thank our corporate sponsor our presenting sponsor great folks over at core water ph balance water Ultra purified, balanced with electrolytes to match your body's natural level, your natural pH level of 7.4. That's where your body performs at its best. I got to be honest with you, I am fat. <laughs> fat, fat, fat. But um, along with core, I'm back in the gym, I'm working out. And um, now I am fat, but I am strong as an ox. Like I am big time strong, like ridiculously strong. Like, Probably won't pass a drug test strong. That kind Ooh, of strong. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Artificially a, enhanced? Strength? No, I'm just naturally a freak show. Well, then why would you pass a drug test? I'm just because I'm that strong, you would think that I wouldn't pass a drug test. Ah, I see. That's what I'm saying. I thought you were like doing drugs or something to get big. No. No. This is a great episode. <laughs> is a great episode. <laughs> I am. Really? It, yeah, it's yeah. Brought, brought to you by the great who folks. Who knew? Yeah, who knew? It brought you by the... And, and, and you know what? You will pass a drug test if you just drink core. Great. Okay. Yep. Well, transitioned into that. I'm sure they're going to love this commercial. <laughs> uh, that's core and water. Your pee will be really clear. Yes. You can pick it up at your neighborhood 7-Eleven or anywhere else that water is sold. And it's sold all over the place. <laughs> I've been to a lot of stores. They all have water. So check it out. Core water at hydratewithcore.com. Mike Evans... How are you, my well, friend? Well, you know, on the subject of big, big, strong, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, we, we joke, but did, did we kind of see that in Wild Card Weekend, oh. the importance of bigs, and maybe even extend it to the national championship game on Monday? Here's the interesting thing. Um, yeah, as much as we all get enamored, and this drives me crazy about the NFL, and just football in general. We all want the latest, greatest thing, right? We all want some new coach that got some McVeigh on him somewhere along the line to coach our football team who's 30 and knows how to send eggplant, you know, eggplant emojis, right? If he can send an eggplant emoji, then this guy is in with me. And, you know, the, th- the crazy thing is you look at Wild Card Weekend, Mike. Oh, what? Huh? What? Mike doesn't know what an eggplant emoji means. No, I don't. You don't? No. Me neither, I mean, I've but got, I've I, seen. I've seen. Okay, it. you don't know it either. 
because like you. No, that's why. Okay. I constantly. Because I'm constantly sending you'll Scott send eggplant. You send the emoji eggplant, yeah. and I'm like I, with water coming out of yeah. it. Yeah. And I don't really know what that means. I'm sorry. I, I got a 16 year old daughter, 12 year old son. I should know these. I don't know. Yeah. I know. So you want to clue it's, me? You want to no, clue me? No, it's in? a mystery. I don't know either. You don't know I've just either? seen it. I've seen it on shows. And then. Duff, uh, you want to. I know what, what it means. What, but, is, what does it mean? What is it? Come on, it's a podcast. You said it to me. Okay. I, I just keep sending it back to you. Yeah. Okay. An eggplant is very, very similar to a man's genitalia. Okay. Okay. And that is what Mark is sending to us when <laughs> he's excited about something that I text him. He'll respond back with a eggplant, essentially an inflamed <laughs> man's genitalia. That's what. Why is he it said. purple though? <laughs> That's what eggplants are. No, eggplants you are not purple. They don't mm. have an actual men's genitals on emojis. Is that what you're trying to do? I, I had no idea. <laughs> I'm going to quit sending the eggplant. I just was like, "No, you won't." I was no, like, "No, you won't." You'll I had no idea what it. that whole thing meant. Um, anywho, <laughs> anywho, moving on. Um, well, you want to talk about eggplanting? I mean, I got excited. <laughs> I got super excited when I was watching the the weekend's playoff games because what it boils down to, you know, everybody goes, "Oh, we need this new innovator, and we need somebody that can, uh, you know, be a uh, um, uh, like move into the next level and uh, and, and evolve the game, and it's got to be a college coach and somebody who's got." You know. Bottom line is, watch NFL Wildcard Weekend. The team that dominated the line of scrimmage, won each and every game, bar none. I mean, think about it. Think about the way the games went. The Dallas Cowboys, both defensively and offensively, their offensive line and their defensive line dominated that game. That's as old school as it gets. They end up winning that game. Dak Prescott, you know, in the red zone, takes a takes a third down run and 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 scores on a you know on like twenty yards out or fourteen yards, whatever it was, right? Um, yeah, that's that's what won that game. Line of scrimmage play: the Colts versus the Houston Texans. That offensive line that hadn't given up pressures, hadn't given up sacks, been the best offensive line in football for the last eight weeks of the season. They dominated the line of scrimmage. They kept Andrew Luck clean, and guess what? The Colts won that game. Dominating the line of scrimmage. You can look at the Chargers and the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens couldn't pass the ball. They couldn't hold up in protection. They didn't run the ball very well. Now, I'll give Gus Bradley a lot of credit because he changed defensively. They didn't play any linebackers. Sometimes they were in nickel, dime, or even penny, seven defensive backs. They were playing two safeties at the middle linebacker position. They, But the bottom line was, how did they get away with that? Because the two inside guys and the two edge players, so it was Ingram and it was Bosa, and their two inside guys, Square and whoever else played in there, they dominated. They dominated the double teams. They let those safeties run around, and they stymied the running game, and therefore they could rush the passer, and Baltimore couldn't hold up. They couldn't protect. They won the game by dominating the line of scrimmage, and the Eagles, healthy offensive line, one of the best offensive lines in football when healthy, Jason Peters and, and Lane Johnson on the edge were able to shut out. Uh, Khalil Mack didn't have a sack. I think he had three or four tackles in the game. Now, it's not like he's not a difference maker because he is, but the bottom line is the team that won the line of scrimmage won each and every one of those games. And it's the first time I've ever seen Alabama get, I mean, get thunderstruck at the line of scrimmage, ever. Well, there's two things that I've had to eat crow about this year. One was the idea that Patrick Mahomes wasn't ready. 
<laughs> and yeah, we, we both ate up. Yeah, but it is it is this, the playoffs, and you know you you never know. Okay, I mean, the Kansas City when they get in the playoffs, we'll they, see. Yeah, yeah. But the other one is the idea that after the Rams and uh, Chiefs played that high scoring game, the idea that hey, we have definitely gone to the next level mm-hmm. when it comes to the NFL, and mm-hmm. this is the way we're going, and it's all going to be forty to thirty eight games, right? But you know what? You know, this past weekend was a, a reminder that. You know, it's it's still knockdown. It's still line of scrimmage. It's still right. power football. It's still defense. It's it's you know winning twenty twenty seventeen. Those those kind of games still they're out there and it hasn't really changed. Yeah, you know it's funny. I heard Bill Cower. I saw something on Twitter about what Bill Cower said about playoff football, and he essentially said, you know, the things the things that you do well get you into the playoffs. The things that you don't do well get you bounced out of the playoffs. Interesting, yeah. you know. And it was a pretty interesting, it pretty interesting quote. But the bottom line is, um, you're right. You you get to this point and you get in in this environment, you have to win the line of scrimmage, and that's as old school as it gets, Mike. As old as much as things, as much as people want to think the game has changed, you know, when it comes to routes and route combinations and all that stuff, everybody runs the same crap. I watch, you know, I I prep. 50 hours a week, every week, prepping my games, the games that I'm calling for Fox. I see the same exact route combinations, the all-go specials, the curl-flat combination, the double-slant combination, you know, the um, the the branch combinations, the X-drift combination. Like, I see the same crap every week. Everybody runs the same route combinations. Everybody, everybody does. It's the nuance. It's the finding that one matchup, knowing as a coach what I'm going to get. So I know in this situation, this team likes to play this. And I saw it in the first quarter, and now I'm going to get back to it in the second quarter. They're going to play the same thing, and now I'm going to have a route adjustment to that. So I'm going to get my guy matched up either on a linebacker, a slot guy on a linebacker, or I know exactly how they're playing this. So if we're running... You know, if we're running like an X-drift combination, meaning, um, you know, your X is running kind of an in-cutting route, almost a basic, right? And he's running it in front of the safety. And if the first time I see the safety jump down to take that away, and on the backside I'm running my Z is running like a bang eight, like a skinny post, right? So now if that safety is jumping down, I know I got inside leverage on my other guy, and I let that guy eyeball that X-drift guy, and I make that safety bite. Now I take that skinny post over the top. Like I, I adjust my routes or I adjust my way my quarterback is thinking. Like that's what, that's what separates offensive coordinators. And I think it's especially true, Mike, in-game adjustment-wise. The good ones see it. And make those subtle adjustments, whether it's, you know, throwing it to a different guy or adjusting the way we run our routes, whatever the case may be, the great ones, the Nagy's, the the Sean McVay's of the world, they're the ones that get that, um, you know, the Andy Reid's of the world. They do it on a consistent basis, and what it's kind of what sets them apart. All right, so then if all the teams and all the offenses are running the same stuff and it's just a wrinkle, a nuance, mm-hmm. a an adjustment here and there that sets him apart. Then, then explain to me this this rush, this this hyperventilated tr- rush to all of a sudden see all these coaches' positions being filled by guys who are supposedly just the next whiz bang young offensive 
you know, good golly, Miss Molly, look at what this guy's going to come in and do with our quarterback. Right, why right, why right, the right. rush? Why the? Why all of a sudden is it we got to have Matt Lafleur? We got to have Cliff Kingsbury. Isn't it, isn't it crazy? Like Matt Lafleur, Matt Lafleur, you know, was the the pseudo coordinator for Josh McDaniels in 2017. I called a Rams game in 2017. Matt Lafleur called as many plays as I did for the Rams. Okay. Right? He didn't call in. Like, he was the tight ends coach for crying out loud. But he gets the chance because he's young and he's got, you know, he's, he's hopefully got some McVay on him. He gets to be a play caller. He goes to Tennessee. He calls plays, you know, and, and you're going to revamp, you know, Marcus Mariota and you're going to do all this. They were the 29th passing offense, the 27th scoring offense. They were 30th in the league as far as explosive plays are concerned. But give that man a head coaching job, right? Because he had some McVeigh left on him, we we interviewed him, and um, we had heard in a uh, evening meeting when he worked with McVeigh that McVeigh farted on him, and um, and and some of that fart stuck off. Like you ever fart in your car, like and it's just a rank fart, and you get out of your car. And then you come back like two hours later, and it still smells like see, fart. See, all right, hold on, hold on. Let me step Have right you done in. that? Let me step right in. Nobody has ever smelled their own fart and said, "Ooh, that's rank." No, 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 no. Most of the time, but it's a you good, enjoy. like it's right. No, it's like a good, like oh my god, right. what did I eat? Right, that is rank. And then right. you come back to the car like two hours later, and and it's back like when you had le- like you had uh, like if you have upholstery, not like leather. It like gets stuck, like you got fart stuck in the upholstery. Like you have to go. I gotta, I gotta hit. Like I gotta mm-hmm. beat it out. Like you get a broom, like you do right, with a carpet. Right, right, right. You know, like a like a throw rug, right. and like beat the dust out of it. I gotta beat the fart out of my yeah, seat. But let's just be honest, okay? I mean, you you can you can sit back and say, "Wow, that was rank," but no nobody's ever, good... nobody's ever been disgusted, no. truly disgusted by their own. No, 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 okay? no, no. It's you revel it, in it. It's awesome. Do you ever eat the? If, speaking of farts, did you ever do the banana diet? Remember? Did you see the banana diet? I that remember was the a banana craze? diet. Yeah. So, eat, like, you ate two bananas before you ate breakfast, and then you ate two bananas at lunch before you ate anything, and then you ate two bananas, and then whatever it was. By the time, I mean, you feel like you're right, you know, you're, you're living at the zoo, right? You just got so many bananas in you. So I did this for, like, two days. I was just all banana-ridden. Like, I was just laying in bed. So I'm in this hotel in stuck on the Hartford Airport. You know, I got a 6 a.m. flight, so I stayed down at the Hartford Hotel. So I turned my rental car in. I'm just right there, right? I get, I wake up and walk right through security. And I had eaten bananas for like three days straight. <laughs> and my gut is just like, I just got banana gut. And there's these thin walls at this hotel I'm staying. It's, it's like, and I am farting so loud in the middle of the night, I am waking myself up. And it smells straight like I'm at some sulfur slash sewage plant. And I am like, literally, I was laugh. I woke myself. I started laughing. Because if I had lit a match in that room, I'd have burned the hotel down. The whole hotel would have just it would have been ashes. <laughs> like a tragic incident here at Hartford Hotel, at the Hartford Marriott or whatever it was. Dude, it was unbelievable. Where were we? Oh, yeah. Uh, so Matt LaFleur had some fart smell left on him from McVeigh. And See how we do this, folks? Yeah. And he is getting a job simply because he's got some McVeigh on him. You know? I mean, it, it, it's incredible to me. And, like, 
I have done no. or Mahomes, or, or yeah. you got Mahomes on you. I mean, it, it, that's the only way to explain Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury, right? Cliff well, Kingsbury he worked with Patrick Mahomes, right? So he, he's going to do the same thing with uh, our guy Josh Rosen. Texas Tech. He was thirty-five and forty. Yep, thirty-five and forty. He he like I think he won one bowl game with. Uh, What's the crazy Mike Leach? Mike, Leach. He Mike won Leach's, Leach's players. players, yeah, right. And and Mike Leach, Mike Leach had a winning record at Texas Tech, always. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, no. Well, but he coached. I mean, he coached. Uh, he coached Mahomes to a five and seven record, but he coached him. You know, like so. Let's give that guy a job. Like that guy's the next. I mean, he's the next great thing. I don't like. I don't understand. I don't understand it. And and by the way. I've sat with McVeigh now. Like you can check out my Instagram page. Uh, I should be a head coach because I've sat with McVeigh three times now, and we fist bumped. And I never watched that hand, so I got McVeigh all over me. I, mean, I got some McVeigh. Well, on me. hell, I mean, I I sit next to you Hire every me. day, so I should at least be able to get an. You should be my OC. You know, not even uh, just give me a quality control job. Well, and then I'll be interviewing for a head coaching job next year. Right, exactly. That's exactly how it works. It's, it's two degrees uh, of separation of McVeigh. McVeigh degrees of separation. Anyhow, well, but seriously, but, why is it though? Why, but, why? but let me just explain to you for for one second. I sat with McVeigh earlier this year. I sat with him twice this year. Once last year, and we just went because I had just come from Shanahan's house, Mike Shanahan. And I was studying film with Mike Shanahan. And Mike Shanahan's the guy that hired Sean McVeigh. Um, you know, and, and Sean McVeigh is one of the most dynamic personalities I've ever met. I mean, he's just incredible. He walks in the room and energizes the room. Bam, boom, big energy. And it's and it's not it's authentic. It's not fake. It's not. I mean, you could just tell his passion and his love, and and the guys rally around him and all this stuff. But we sat down and talked. And he goes, "Oh yeah, basically what I do or what we run is the offense that you ran in the '90s that you won back to back Super Bowls with. We run eighteen nineteen handoff, you know, eighteen nineteen force. We run, you know, we run pitch strong and toss weak, and, and like it's the same thing. We just do it out of three wides the majority of the time. We do it out of your what you guys would have called." Nickel nineteen handoff or nickel eighteen handoff. We're just running eighteen nineteen handoff. We that that's our base personnel is three wides, and everything comes off of our ability to run the ball. Now he does a great job of understanding what defense you're going to play and how I can get a one on one matchup with a slot receiver versus your linebacker. Like he is phenomenal at at doing those things, and the fact that you know he's got. A roster that's littered with first round talent all over the place. I mean, you start looking at their roster and it's ridiculous how much first starting round. Starting offense, starting defense uh, combined 11 first round picks and I, I believe three or four second round picks. Four, yeah, four second round picks. So now hey, the guy is, again, I'm not taking anything away from Sean McVay, but he understands the value of running the football and understands what that sets up. And he's got a lot of really good players. I'm not saying he's not a great coach, and he's he's a dynamic. He's one of the most dynamic personalities I've ever met in any walk of life. So you know, good on him. But just because he's dynamic and he's a great communicator doesn't mean because you're 38 years old and you touched him once inappropriately in the shower. No, and you didn't do that. I mean, I, I don't, at least I don't know whether you did that or not. Could have. Who knows? Notice maybe I'm you played not jumping a, in on this. You, one. Maybe you played a shower game. You know what shower game I used to play all the time? We had these liquid soap dispensers at Idaho, and there's this like green slimy soap. Yes. And I get a handful of that soap, and I walk up behind you and hit you right in the butt crack with it, and it shoots soap all up in your butt, and then you're you're farting bubbles 
for two days after that. Really fun game. Really fun game. Hey, g- good reminder that you guys are sharing a room come Super Bowl week. Oh, no. <laughs> We're playing shower games. <laughs> <laughs> that is so wrong. <laughs> Anywho. That is so wrong. Anywho. I'm, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. Or did I? I did. So anyhow, just because like just because you've been around him doesn't make you a great communicator. Because you're young does not mean you're a great communicator. Just like one of the greatest communicators I've ever been around in this sport in recent years, guys just gravitate to him, love playing for him. Um he just he embodies kind of that kind of avuncular nature it is Wade Phillips. Guy, you've been around him. The guys love playing yeah. for Wade Phillips. He communicates his message exceptionally well. Like you don't it, like there is this perception that if you're, you know, if you're not in this millennial age, if you're not in your 30s now, you can't communicate with today's player and that's just garbage. You either have that skill set or you don't. And just because you worked for Sean McVay or you, you know, you you worked with Patrick Mahomes, or you're a college guy, or you're young, doesn't mean you can communicate. It doesn't. I, I just find it. I just find it ridiculous. But that's owners today. Like just because you're a multi-billionaire and and you may be a ruthless businessman, doesn't mean you know shit about you know picking an NFL coach. Well, look at this or anything about the NFL. Look at this weekend. You you can't tell me that Belichick is still where he's at. Um, Andy Reid is still where he's at. Mm-hmm. Sean Payton is still where he's at. Doug Peterson is still where he's at. Peterson. Without these guys having an ability to evolve, stay current with with what's going on right. in this league. You know, and, communica- Carroll, and by the way, able to their ability it. to communicate with players. Right. Pete Carroll was just was just, you know, still coaching as of as of last week, which 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 brings me to Peterson. Peterson. You get Doug Peterson alone, private. Been totally there. off the record. Been there. Does he want Nick Foles or Carson Wentz to be his quarterback? Ooh. Snap. Um, in a private moment, my guess would be Nick Foles. There's a couple things about Nick Foles. One, he's not frenetic. Carson Wentz can get frenetic in the in the pocket, you know, get, happy feet, like yeah, and just start moving around and, and coming off of reads, you know. So if maybe even feeling a little pressure that the perceived pressure, you still have some time. Nick Foles is just like calm, cool, just back there, right? Whatever. He's kind of got that. You know, there's a certain value into having that. I give zero f's attitude. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you, you actually, of course, you care, and you're going to prepare, and you're going to do all those things. But eh, what? I threw a pick. Who gives a shit? You know, this guy was ready to walk away from the league a couple of years ago. He was walking away, and Andy Reid convinced him with Doug Peterson to come back to the Chiefs and get a year of football rehab. Like he was going into the ministry. That's that's what he was doing. And so, anyhow, they they revamped his career. But I think there's a couple of things. I think Nick does a better job of involving um, more players, like more of the receivers, you know, pushing the ball down the field. I also think he does a better job of getting the ball out quickly, making a read and getting it out, not hesitating. Uh, kind of the old he, he who hesitates is lost. And I think he's that's where he's better than Carson Wentz. Obviously, Carson Wentz much better athlete. 
you know, he's a strapping lad, and he's probably going to have an unbelievable NFL career. And before he tore his ACL, he was on the way to being NFL MVP. I mean, he was he was really playing well at that point. But a lot of what he did well is, you know, in critical situations, man, he'd make plays with his feet, and that's how he tore his knee. So I think in a private moment right now, the better chance to win, like the better chance to win probably long term is probably Carson Wentz. But the better chance to win right now, which is – you know what we're living in the now is Nick Foles, and I don't think there's any question. I think you're right, though. Still, you know, the Philadelphia approach will be, you know, Wentz is still younger. We we spent, you know, we gave up a lot to get him, mm-hmm. and there is just the allure, the appeal of the the what if when it comes to these young quarterbacks, which which gets me to thinking about Trevor Lawrence and what happened and how he looked, and he is now the rage, right? Right. I mean, he's. In this instant reaction world we live in, it is now Trevor Lawrence is the guy, and he's not only the guy, he is so much going to be the guy that teams now have to think about tanking for the next two years to get in position to get this guy. I mean, our buddy Joel Klatt, college football, lead college football analyst on Fox, says this is the closest he's seen to Andrew Luck in terms of the best mm-hmm. college quarterback prospect. Obviously still has development left, but, but yeah. So, I, I mean... Do, do you get caught up in that? I mean, if you're a team that's down on its luck right now, do you just say, you know what? It's going to be worth it to try to just tank for two years to put ourselves in a position to go get this guy. But here's here's the problem with that philosophical approach is, one, you're creating a culture of losing. Two, if you're tanking, it means you're not building your roster. I don't care who you get. I don't care if, you know, I mean, if it's Trevor Lawrence or if it's freaking Stretch Armstrong, you know, if you don't have players around him, the guy's not going to have success. You know, I watched Josh Rosen, who a lot of people thought was the best quarterback coming out. I mean, there was varying opinions on everybody, but a lot of people thought that, right? I watched him toward the end of the season essentially want to tap out of games. I mean, there was some like, and I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying, and I'm not saying he's soft or anything. He just got – I watched a game. I was prepping to do an Atlanta game, Atlanta at Carolina. And the week before, they had played Arizona. And they had sacked him six times and hit him – I don't know how many. I mean, countless number of times. I mean, it was like it was an embarrassing performance by their front four or their the, the front offensive line by the front four of the Atlanta just absolutely destroyed them. And they brought a bunch of pressures and blitzes, and, and he just looked befuddled. And at the end of that game, they finally pulled him. And actually, Mike Glennon came in, threw the ball on time, got the ball out, and actually led him to a touchdown. But, um, but you know, Josh Rosen was just like, you know, have mercy. It was like it was like a scene from Braveheart. Just say the words, and it'll be over quickly. <laughs> mercy, just say it. Freedom. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just like. He was just like, please, just say the word. Just say the word. Like, mercy. Take him out of there, man. You're just going to beat that kid to a pulp. Be careful, because that can ruin a career. Oh, shoot. David Carr. Dude, David Carr. Remember uh, Patrick Ramsey when he was playing with the Washington Redskins and Steve Spurrier, who didn't believe in actually Max protecting anything? Like, he's like, nah, nah, nah. We don't need no hot routes. Our receiver's just going to, we're just going to out-athletical you. Like, just go. Right? Poor Patrick Ramsey. I mean, Patrick Ramsey, the, the sisters in Shawshank Redemption were nicer to Andy Dufresne than, <laughs> than he was to Patrick Ramsey. Right? I mean, that was gentle wow. compared to what Patrick Ramsey yeah, went through. Brought up prison rape right there. Boom. Boom. 
And on this that is note, gone, this has gone off the rails. And on that note, I think that might be the best way to wrap it up. All right, people. That's going to do it for this uh, session. Lord, one of the more mercy. memorable ones. Yeah, you guys are so immature. You're bringing me down. You're both bringing yes, me down. you're right. You're so highbrow until you get around <laughs> us. <laughs> I'm a child. Hey, thanks for listening to the Stinky Truth Podcast. We'll be back later on in the week to uh, preview this Best weekend's. weekend in sports. It Divisional is? round, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Best weekend in sports. All right. So we'll be back yeah. to talk about the best weekend in sports a little bit later on in the week. The Stinkin' Truth Podcast presented by Core Water. Subscribe to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, and plenty of other podcast platforms.